It's Amber Bradley, your host for the unscripted side of LP. It's Talk LP Podcast Time. What's up, Talk LP Podcast fans? It's Amber Bradley here with my phenomenal guests. See what you guys got with the phenomenal. We're live in RF Protect, which is so awesome. Jordan Rifshin, Kevin Darnell from Hanwa. Now you guys lit up a tower orange. That's nuts. (laughs) They're a little subdued. This is the second day of NRF Protect. You guys have been a little busy. Just a little bit. It's been absolutely it's been absolutely great for us. So tell us why. What has what's going on with Hanwa that I mean you guys are everywhere and I'm like talking to all the retailers and they're like, We can't talk to you. We're going to visit Hanwa. What's up with that? It's the orange shirts. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be the orange shirts, <laughs> I think. You know, I, I, th- I th- uh, go ahead. Go, go, go ahead. Go. Okay. No, you. no. I you. think one of the things, one of the things about Hanwa that is so difficult for a lot of people is they don't know what we are or how we are in the United States, but it's actually, it's a global fortune 500 company. Uh, yeah. You know, we're the, we're the fifth largest company in, in South Korea. Um, and we're a 70 close to 70 billion dollar company and we do have our our fingers in a lot of different stuff but where we we absolutely capitalize on is the creation of cameras and i think people are starting to see that and um you know having a having an organization that makes the camera and doesn't make the camera for anybody else Hanwa makes all of our cameras. We cut our own glass. We make our own chipsets. The, the, uh, the robots that make the cameras are made by Hanwa. We even power the building with Hanwa Q-Cell uh, solar. So when somebody gets the whole story, it's just pretty contagious, and everybody seems to be wanting to know what's going on. So has all of that helped in this whole supply chain nightmare and the fact that you guys have everything right there? I mean, clearly you got to get it, yeah. but, I mean, you're making it so it's not like seven yeah, people I, removed. We, you know, we talked this, this concept of the supply chain of trust because it's truly a, a for-us, by-us manufacturing process. Our ability to have product where, unfortunately, others haven't had it throughout this whole COVID process has been phenomenal. Um, it all comes down to planning and, and having that plan. And, you know, Kevin and I both being former retailers, uh, there's always, always going to be a one-off of, you know, a new store pops up and you've got to scramble. But I think for us, where we've shined is we've worked collaboratively with our solution providers and our retail partners to plan and forecast and look at what the future is going to have. And then with our strength in the industry, We've invested in uh, heavy amounts of air freight shipments to bring product to North America. We've invested in more systems on the back end to make sure that we've got visibility into where our product's at at any given time. And then it it all comes down to the people working with the retailers, working with our our solution providers to make sure that we have visibility into what their needs are. Um, And that's allowed us to grow exponentially over the last uh, three years where maybe others have stumbled. We're not perfect, Uh, don't claim to be, but I think where we shine is when we work as a unit with our partners to deliver what they're asking for. Well, I think what's cool is you guys know because you've been there, right? So they've invested in 
the human capital to say, okay, well, we're not, this isn't our first rodeo where I've never worked in a retail store. I mean, clearly you both were loss prevention industry executives and now on the light side of uh, yeah. a solution provider to where you're cra you know how to craft a solution and then also be like, okay, I also know how to scramble because I, I had to do that from the inside. God, I knew you were a female. I knew you were a female. <laughs> anyway, we digress. Good. So you talked about that that human capital. I mean, I think it's it's important to note, obviously, with our backgrounds, it, it does come down to people and um, being able to understand the industry. You know, Kevin and I always talk to our, our our customer base about some of the pain points that we had as directors and LP executives. And if you look at how IT organizations have managed, that switch is getting replaced every five years. All of the other infrastructure that IT has is getting replaced. There's a life cycle to that. If, if I'm a LP executive today, I'm adopting that same process of looking at this camera as an asset. It's gonna be depreciated over X period of time. Get that process built in to where you're not having to go back to the well every year to beg your CFO or your board for more money. Um, and you know, Kevin did a great job of that at, at you know Famous and, and other organizations he was at. And uh, I think if if a executive can focus on that that same concept but flip it out of IT into other IoT devices like cameras, uh, their ability to know when a life cycle process, you know, refresh is coming up, when a camera's end of life, they have a plan to talk to their executives about. Well, we heard that, right? From COVID, like from COVID was one of the main lessons that when doing these podcasts with executives, they're like, look, one of the main lessons I realized was if I'm not on top of my technology life cycle and then something happens like, mm, I don't know, a global pandemic, and then I can't remote in and see my stores because I have no health monitoring on my equipment, I'm screwed. Well, when you when you actually talk about that life cycle, and, and Jordan did a great job explaining that, your IT department has it already right but they typically don't buy the technology for security and and safety so educating our 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 fellow LPNs out there on what this life cycle looks like and how to adapt it is is just kind of icing on the cake because it really will help them long term because that capital investment they're making can be forecast and planned way ahead of time and more importantly as you eventually grow through that process you're not having like you said go back to the well and try to you know sell that program to your to your CFO and that's one of the things that we pride ourselves on is we'll help that end user that that customer we'll we'll write that for them we'll help them out with that piece which i think is super important right because i mean if you're a loss prevention executive you're probably really good at investigations you're probably really good at budgeting, you're probably really good at all of these things, but there are some things that it's nice when you have a solution provider that says, hey, this might be a little outside your scope and that's okay, that's why we're here. Yeah, and, and again, it like for us, and, and I was intentional as I made the move to come over here four plus years ago, we're just a, essentially a consultant, you know, a, a brand advocate working with retailers and restaurant industry folks and now all these other verticals to do just that, is to offer advice and, and our advisory services. It's not a hook attached. Um, and, and bringing guys like Kevin on board and Paige and Cliff, it's people that know the industry, that speak the language, that can offer, you know, years and years of knowledge of doing the job 
to help other people do their job more efficiently. So you can rely on you know, your investigators to investigate and not have to worry about all of the other minutia behind the scenes. Yeah. Having a relationship with a manufacturer is really, really critical. I had moved, my past company, I had moved everything over to Hanwha. So I was a customer before I came over here. But I had a relationship with Jordan and not that I, I, I didn't believe my integrators or whatever. I totally did. I totally trust them. But there's no way that they can know the depth of what the product is out there. There's just, unless you actually work for that company. And so coming on board here, you know, spending a year just learning that technology and how we can better things and now knowing what's behind the curtain, it's a lot easier for us to be able to point the people in the right direction when it comes to that. And back to the forecasting piece, so critical, so critical that we work with everybody to know, especially at the end of the year, if the sales are good, we know that they're going to have some extra money to spend. And when they have extra money to spend, they have to spend it within this fiscal year. So that means that if we think that's going to happen, we need to forecast it accordingly. Otherwise, if you don't get it by the time that the end of the year, you don't get to use that money. So you're saying the product guys. has to be in hand, right? So most of the time, yeah. most of the time, physically yeah. there. Received. Yeah. yeah. Most most of the time, that's the way it will. Most companies will not allow you to make a purchase if you don't have the item, and yeah. and forecasting is the only way that we can get it here in time. Well, that's a, that's a really critical point, right? I mean, someone's calling you up and they need it in two days to be able to recognize yeah. that money. Just in time doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. You, you know, yeah. the expectation of immediate satisfaction, the Amazon effect of yeah. I can hit it and it's going to be it here. I want in two hours. You know, <laughs> it would be great if that could happen. And I think over time, the supply chain will become some level of normalcy, you know, in, in terms of the, the timing. Um, but we all work in retail. We see labor shortages. We see the human factor there. And it, again, it goes back to just having that plan. Don't rely on what hap what worked in the past is not what's going to work going forward. And, yeah. and that's, you know, we're seeing that and it's evolved over the last, however long COVID has lasted. Yeah. It's, it's, there's multiple iterations of, of that cycle. But at its core, if you have a plan, you know what to do. Yeah. yeah. All right. So you guys have Apex Grocery coming up. We do. In Nashville, August 14th through the 17th. If you have Who's going to be there? <laughs> well, there's every, everyone's going to be there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, Your so, special guest. Last year, you oh. had a pretty cool special guest. I don't know. We are all about surprises at Apex Grocery. However... One not surprise is you're going to speak on the crisis management panel, which is going to be, yes, no, yeah. <laughs> the surprise. Wow, that is a surprise. <laughs> it's Kevin. No, no, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be really cool. So we'll have um, some grocery executives talking about how they handle crisis, their crisis teams, what their crisis teams do when they're not handling a crisis, which, you know, might be interesting. Not that we haven't. They plan is what yeah, they do. Yeah, they plan. Well, I wonder, I mean, because I don't think they've had a break for, for many, many years at this point, but... Thank you for stopping into the Talk LP podcast hot seat. Thank you. It's my people that light up a building, Cleveland which was rocks. so cool. Come on. Cleveland Rocks. Put a little corner shot of the building. We could cut to it. Yeah. I got a magician over here. Hey. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for watching and listening. We are out. See ya. Cast, cast, cast. No one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it.